Awesome. Okay, so we have been going to switch gears here. We have been in a, a sermon series that we started last week, uh, simply called Resilient. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about how anything in, that you want in life that's worthwhile is going to be uphill. It's uphill. It's actually a quote from a guy named John Maxwell. He says, "Anything worthwhile in life is uphill." So if you want to be, a, if you're a student in the room, you want to graduate one day, you want to have that dream career. Guess what? It is not going to be a walk in the park. No, it's going to be an uphill climb where you're having to get up early on snowy days. You're going to have to study on Friday nights when all of your friends are out doing whatever the heck it is that they're doing. You're going to have to study and work and listen. It's uphill. Graduation, dream career, all that kind of stuff. It's a worthwhile goal, but it's going to be an uphill climb. If you want to have a marriage that's flourishing, I mean, what a great vision, a great goal for your marriage that you wouldn't just be like hanging on by the skin of your teeth as you grow old together, but that your marriage would be flourishing with romance and passion and all those good things. Guess what? It's going to be an uphill climb. Yeah, there's going to be seasons where it's easy and it's roses and all that kind of stuff, but there are going to be seasons where you got to push in and you got to sacrifice and you just got to lay yourself aside. It's, it's, an, it's a worthwhile goal, but, it, but it's, it's uphill. If you want a faith that's vibrant, where you and Jesus are tight, where you're growing in your faith, you're not stagnating, but where you're just getting closer and closer to Him, it's a worthwhile thing to go after, but it's not going to be easy because life is hard. And as much as we might secretly wish that it's easy, the reality is that we are all going to face adversity in life. We're going to have those moments, those seasons where it's like the winds of life are just blowing hurricane force at us, and we have to just keep pressing through. And some of you are going, yeah, Rich, I know that because I am in it right now, today, in that, that kind of a season. You know that life's just hard. And what we need in order to push through that adversity, in order to get that, to that thing that you're after that's worthwhile, what we need is resilience. Resilience. And so this sermon series that we're in is called Resilient. Resilience is simply a word that, that means having the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back up from difficulties. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficulties. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have challenges and adversities. It just means that, that you don't give up. You don't throw in the towel. You persevere. You keep going. You keep at it. You, you, you have this inner drive, this strength, this resolve to just keep pressing on. And the question that we want to answer in this series is, what is resilience from a biblical perspective? And then number two, how do we get that? How do we have Resilience, And today, to help us answer these questions, we're going to be spending our time in a favorite passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 1, where it says, Therefore, and that's just so powerful that we're going to pause right there and unpack that word this morning. Sound good? Um, you might have heard this if you've been around the church. Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you always stop because it's there for a reason. And... Um, Therefore is, is simply a word that means as a result of do this And before we get into Hebrews 12 I actually want to go back a little bit And unpack Hebrews chapter um, any, any guesses what comes before Hebrews chapter 12 this morning? Wow, you guys are quick Hebrews chapter 11 We're going to spend some time unpacking that um, Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter in the Bible It's got this list of men and women of the faith That just had this incredible sense of resilience 
and uh, they per persevered through some incredible hardships. There's the story of Abraham. God gives him this promise that you're going to be the father of many nations, and then has to go years and years and years and years and years without that promise being fulfilled, has to go through all kinds of difficulties, and then as he gets older, finally, um, his, his wife gets pregnant, but he just keeps persevering. The Bible says that he never wavered, but instead, he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he said he was going to do. And then in Hebrews 11, you have the story of Moses. He's this guy who God calls to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, but in, in, in the desert, they have all kinds of challenges. They have this worthwhile goal, the promised land, but before they get there, there's just death and there's hardship and he has to deal with the incessant whining and complaining of all the Israelites. And yet the Bible says that, that Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's a key piece of where we're going this morning. The idea of some kind of future reward is sprinkled all throughout Hebrews 11 and 12. And then Hebrews 11 ends by going off about the many nameless men and women of our faith who throughout history, they've persevered through everything that you can imagine. The Bible says some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. You know, one thing you can't really say about God is that he's trying to, like, you know, like, sell his people on, uh, sell, sell us on something that's not really a, an accurate picture of how things really are when it comes to being a follower of him. He doesn't try to sugarcoat what it's like to be a, a follower of Jesus. If he was trying to sugarcoat it, he wouldn't have included all that stuff that we just read um, in the Bible. But the point is, these men and women of, of faith, they had it really, really hard. Um, something that's amazing about the men and women of Hebrews 11 is that, you know, according to the Bible, even on their deathbeds, after living a life of hardship and struggle, um, they were still living in faith. And the Bible makes it really clear that what kept them what, what gave them the ability to be resilient in the face of all the adver adversity that they faced was the prize. There was a reward that they kind of kept their, their eyes on. They didn't have their eyes fixed on the adversity. They had their eyes fixed someplace else. Their eyes were fixed on a prize. And so then we come, uh, Hebrews 11 comes to a close, and then we have Hebrews chapter 12. And it starts off with these very well-known words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In the life of living, living by faith, here in this, this passage that we just read, it's compared to a race. A race where there are um, 
thing is wobbling. <laughs> I'm like, is that just me? Is it? No, it's, I think this thing is actually moving. It's still going. Sorry, distracting you. I seriously had a moment there where I was like, am I like getting woozy or what is going on here? Okay, we're going to say goodbye to this thing. We're, we're switching this up. That is going to mess me up. But, uh, but it's, it's a race. And, and the race is compared to uh, a race where you have, you have people that are, are, are on the sidelines and we're surrounded by this great host. And it's, it's a race where there's a prize that's going to await us at the end. And there's a ton in this short passage of Scripture that I want to unpack. And so um, we got about 10 minutes here. Hang on to your hats and glasses. We're going to rock and roll, okay? You ready? You ready? Okay. Um, first thing is this. God's plan isn't that you walk or crawl the race. His plan is that you run it. We talked a little bit about this at the end of last week, but I, I felt like we need to come back to this. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run. Not let us walk. Not let us crawl. Not let us just get there by the skin of our teeth. No, let us run with perseverance. So sometimes when I'll be driving through town, and you probably have this yourself, you'll be driving through town, and all of a sudden there's just this massive horde of high school students. And they are running down the side of the road or whatever, running on the sidewalk. Some of them are just, you know, kind of whatever, off in traffic, doing what students do. But some of them are running, but a lot of them, as you've seen, are not running, right? They're walking. Um, there's others that are, are just kind of like, just barely making it along, and you just see their faces, just, they're just grimacing. And, and they're just, they're, some of them are running, but not all of them are running, which is a little different than back. So when I was a kid, um, I'm going to be like an old guy here and go back in the day. But we, we used to have, so when we had our PE class, I had a PE coach, and there was, everybody was running. There was no, like, not running unless you had, like, some kind of medical condition. And uh, my, my PE teacher actually had us run up this little hill that was beside our place, and it was just, it was running. Everybody was running. But, but there's a difference between running a race and walking or crawling or just kind of like barely getting, getting through the, 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 the run. And as a former long-distance runner, though, I, I love it when I'm driving down the road and I see this horde of, of high school students, and I see those students that are just like, they're running. Like they are locked in the, the they're locked in gear. They just have their, their they, they have their stride going, and they're just, they, they've got a look on their face, even though they're maybe tired, even though they're achy, all that kind of stuff. They are like in the zone. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're locked in. And, and I think that that is more of the picture that God has for us here when he's describing the race that he wants us to run. And I think a lot of the times in our faith, we have this mentality that it's just supposed to be hanging on. Like, oh, if I can just get to the end, if I can just survive, if I can just make it. And you need to know that, that this, just, this mentality of just barely making it to the end is not what God has in mind the follower of Jesus. In fact, I think, I, actually, let's go, let's go, I know that's not what he has in mind. Because didn't, didn't somebody say that they came that we might have life in life to the full? Jesus said that. Now, yes, of course, there are seasons in life that are a struggle, and you are just barely hanging on, where you get knocked down by life, and all the life brings at, at it. But this is not what's meant to be the defining experience of your faith. 
you're called to so much more. You're called to run, to run with perseverance. So that's point number one. Number two, sometimes what prevents us from running is that we're carrying a lot of baggage. We're carrying a lot of baggage. I went on my, uh, when I, I grew up literally in the mountains of, of British Columbia, and uh, one of the towns I lived up, lived in, actually for most of my teenage years, it was situated in this valley, and literally like the, the name of the town is Balakula, which, which um, in the uh, First Nations language means beautiful valley, because you're just like tucked in it. Mountains everywhere. And so me and my, my brothers, we do a lot of hiking, and uh, it wasn't though until I was 16 years old that we did our first overnight hike. And there's this amazing place. If you're a hiker, you've got to do this hike at some point. But there's this place called Hunland Falls in, in BC. It's one of the highest single drop waterfalls in all of North America. And, uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a long hike. It's about a 10-mile hike from the trailhead all the way up to the camping spot that we had. And so um, me and my two brothers had another guy, a friend of ours, a little bit older than us, he suggested that we go on this hike. And so we're like, this was, this was back in like the, the 90s, early 90s, late 80s or whatever. And we didn't have smartphones. It was a little town, nothing to do. So of course we're like, yeah, let's go on a hike. Let's do it. So our friend, he put all of, he put me and my two brothers in charge of, he was, he was a great guy, delegated some stuff. So he put me and my two brothers in charge of the food situation. And so being teenagers, we're like, we got it. We're going to eat like kings up there in the wilderness. And so my brothers and I, we packed up all this food in our, in our backpacks, and um, we were just ready to go. Well, the, the, the instruction that this guy gave us wasn't very detailed. Um, he just said, bring the food. And so we packed a lot of fr- food. And as our older friend was, he was helping us. We, had, we drove up together. We had all of our backpacks in the back of this, his truck. And as we're, we're unloading the backpacks from the back of his truck, I'll never forget, he's like, he takes one of the backpacks out, you know, expecting it to be like a hiker's backpack and just like boof, boof out. And it's like, it's super heavy. And he's like, what in the world have you guys put in this backpack? So he opens it, it up and we had packed, not having really hiked before like this, we had packed all kinds of canned food in our backpacks. <laughs> Because we're thinking, okay, we're going to be having canned peaches, canned pears, canned beans, pork and beans. And so we just, went, we just raided my mom's pantry and we just like put all this, it was just like easy, shovel. So we had probably about 60 or 70 pound backpacks. From the trailhead to the camping spot was a 2,500 foot elevation gain that included 78 switchbacks all the way up. About 30 switchbacks in. Uh, we were just, our, our legs were burning, our lungs felt like they were going to cave in, our shirts were just soaked, and our buddy who was with us, he's like, they're your backpacks, I'm not bringing them in. And he's like barely breaking a sweat, he's just practically skipping up the trail. Meanwhile, me and my two brothers are just like dying. Needless to say, uh, we, we ended up making it, but listen, you will not be able to run your race if you're carrying a lot of baggage. You just won't. Hebrews 12 tells us that there are things that will hinder us. And it also says that there's sin that will entangle. So there's kind of two things here. Things that will hinder us and sin that will entangle us. And and, in that whole hinder category, I mean, that's things that maybe 